Green Acres Garden Podcast is the podcast that will teach budding gardeners like you to grow your green thumb. For whether you're a newbie or a seasoned horticulturalist, you're sure to learn something new. Enjoy our conversations with community gardeners and gurus from Green Acres Nursery and Supply. We'll answer questions you didn't know you had. Hey there, garden friends. Thanks for tuning in. My name's Kevin Jordan, and this is the Green Acres Garden Podcast. So happy to have you, because this week we've got a great little episode. I've been loving it out in the garden this week. It's been amazing out there. The weather has been incredible. What a stark contrast it's been from the last few uh, months when the, the summer just seemed like it would never end. Now it's cool. It's actually really enjoyable to be out in the garden. I've been loving it. What about you, Austin? Have you been taking advantage of this nice weather? I have. I've been growing my fall veggie garden. I've got my garlic has sprouted. Um, I, I've got little things happening back there. It's very, very exciting time. And I just love the, the cozy, cool weather. It's, and it's good to be out in the garden. You're right. You know, I knew it was cold because I was wearing like a T-shirt, a sweater, a jacket, and then like another jacket. Oh, that's so layers. Was, yeah, I was layered up. Um, but you know what? Actually, I brought you a little treat. I thought I wanted you to oh. try. So it says the, uh, some strawberries from the garden at the oh, school. Oh, you got stra- a bag right oh, here. Oh, yeah. Try it out, bud. Here okay. he is. Ooh. So those are fresh out of the garden, organically cultivated, of course, in containers, actually. Um, beautiful color. And I, I'm feeling that they've been growing really well, but it's probably going to be the last of the season. So enjoy that. Let me know what you think. Mmm. Oh, man, that's a good strawberry. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Now, they're super uh, juicy and sweet. I should be eating on the mic. That is so good. Yeah, that's that's better than candy, I swear. I can't find anything better. So definitely— you just just, uh, harvested these? Yeah, just a couple hours before I got here. Wow, thank you. Oh, Oh, these are good. Dude, my pleasure, man. It's so much fun to eat those and share those. My students love them. We've been eating them like crazy. And uh, like I said, I fear it's the end of the season. They're still kind of pushing out a little bit, but it's getting pretty chilly out there. And so they're they're pretty soon they'll go dormant. Mm. We'll kind of cut them back. We've actually, they've been pushing out a lot of runners. So we're going to take those, get some cuttings. And so we can hopefully uh, cultivate and propagate some more uh, in the spring. But uh, yeah, they're fantastic. Cheers. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, Mm. bud. So this week, Austin, we got a little treat. We're going to nerd out a little bit, my friend. Mm -hmm. Um, We're actually, uh, and to do so, we might actually have to jump in the Wayback Machine. Oh, okay. So we're going to be talking about uh, plant morphology, all the different plant parts, uh, flower parts, a little bit about fertilizer. We're going to uncover the NPK mystery, uh, and we're actually going to start at the dawn of time, my friend. Oh, okay. Let me let me cue up some dawn of time music. Okay, so let's hop into the Wayback Machine. So, uh, honestly, it's really cool to think about how long plants have been on the planet. Uh, much longer than myself, thankfully. Uh, plants have been around for so long, it's allowed them to be um, really diverse in the nature that they are. You, you, just, you notice if you look around a jungle, a forest, anywhere around you, a normal garden, they're just, it's usually packed full of plants, flowers that look totally different. And with this wonderful uh, assortment. So to live right now in the modern times is fantastic if you love plants because there's never been more uh, variety of plants than there is today. It's, it's just incredible. And so to think about that, let's so, go. So you're saying that plants used to be simpler and there was less of them? Absolutely. So okay. plants first made their way from the early oceans onto land. So we'll talk about terrestrial plants. That's the ones we're usually enjoying here on the show. That was about 500 million years ago. Is when, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and you're talking, and that's, those are like mosses. That's all your bryophytes, your, your mosses, your liverworts, your hornworts. Uh, they're, they're photosynthetic uh, organisms, but they really didn't have roots. They didn't have shoots and, and leaves uh, or flowers or seeds or pollen. They didn't have all those things that we consider to be normal with plants today. But they were good survivors, and they were, they were you know, early little pioneers from the ocean to the land. And so from them... You know, early, you know, later on in the fossil record, you get things like ferns 
And ferns are really cool. And you see them around today. You can plant them in your garden. Oftentimes loving that shade. Uh, but ferns are really cool in that they actually have a vascular system. Hmm. So those bryophytes were non-vascular plants, right? And so uh, and there were the, as the ferns were some of the first vascular plants where they actually had uh, you know, a root system, a stem and shoots and some leaves, but they didn't have traditional flowers or pollen. They actually reproduced with spores. So ferns are really cool. Uh, they've been around for millions of years and they, st- and they continue to endure. So grow some ferns if you're cur- curious about them because they are so interesting. But like I said, they don't have flowers. Huh. And so after ferns came gymnosperms, which actually translates to naked seed. Woo, we're having some fun here on the Whoa. show today. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> naughty. Uh, those plants are crazy. Uh, but no, the gymnosperms are really cool. Those are all your, all your conifers, so all your, all your trees that are cone-bearing, your cycads. Have you ever seen the, um, the cycus revoluta at, at the um, store there? That's a cycad. There's many in nature. They look almost like palm trees, but they're like ancient palms. Hmm. And then, of course, your conifers that are your... Your needle, your, your needle plant, needle-leaved plants, your cone-bearing plants, uh, your pines, your firs, your spruces—they um, have been around for quite some time, and they were pretty cool in that they had pollen and they had seeds. Those, those naked seeds, those cones that were had the seed exposed. Um, what was great about them is that it allowed now plants to have sex, reproduce, to share genetic material at a distance. And before that, before pollen, before seeds, plants didn't even have that as an option. Hmm. They'd be really close, uh, connected by waterways and moisture. And now with pollen in the air, woo, uh, there was romance uh, was abound <laughs> in the forest. And so that allowed uh, conifers and cycads to do their thing. So those are really interesting. But what's even more interesting uh-huh. is later on, about maybe about, I think, 100 million years ago, you had the rise of angiosperms. And that, that is when the seed is enclosed in a vessel, angiosperm. So the seed is inside a vessel, inside an ovary of a flower, and that's now protected. That's what kind of sets them apart. And that's what, if you think of a plant that has a, any kind of flower, that's an angiosperm. And so most of the plants that, um, that we interact with in our gardens or in some of our landscapes, a lot of them are angiosperms. So put it like this, Austin, there are 500,000 different species of angiosperms, and there's only, you know, give or take, 1,000 of gymnosperms. So there's way more angiosperms on the planet uh, when it comes to uh, quantity and diversity. They are incredible. Wow. Okay. My goodness. What a journey we just went on. Thank you, Kevin, so much. From the dawn of time to now angiosperms. And that that kind of takes us to our modern era. Is that right? Absolutely. And so that's when you have this incredible diversification of different plant parts, different attributes and qualities, different modifications to a plant. And so to set that these, uh, you know, modern, those angiosperms from those early plants, it really all boils down to the vascular system. They developed roots. They developed strong stems and shoots and uh, different and complex systems to tra- uh, help water and nourishment travel throughout the plant where you didn't have that before. And so it's, they're really uh, much more complex than their forebearers. And so that's incredible. And at the same time that they were um, developing through in nature and over the course of geologic time, as were all the insects and different creatures and critters that relied upon these plants for food and for nectar and seeds. So you get this incredible uh, co-evolution of species um, during time. So plants and animals and, and insects, they just have this wonderful relationship. And you can see it in the fossil records. And really, they've helped... Uh, they've kind of adapted towards each other sometimes, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, now we're here modern day, and ho- hopefully we can use our information about their vascular system 
to hopefully take better care of our plants because that's what we want. We want healthy root hmm. system. We want healthy stalks, you know, healthy branches, leaves, and flowers. So we might as well just jump right into the plant morphology. Okay, Kevin, what exactly is plant morphology? So that's the study of the actual physical form and the structure of your plant. And so that's all the parts and how your plant physically grows. And uh, you'll notice your different plants look different and they grow differently. And they actually, uh, they utilize different techniques for survival. And so just like potatoes have their tubers under the soil and other plants, you know, disperse pollen into the wind like a pine tree. They all um, survived in different ways. And so studying the structures uh, of the, uh, these plants, it helps us better understand how they, you know, better can survive and live and really how we can best take care of them in our own garden. And it's just really interesting to learn about because over time, these plants have really um, had some incredible adaptations and some modifications uh, mm-hmm. to survive in this world. And so it's really cool to see. It's really cool to see you get excited about this. I could tell this is a passion of yours right now. Like you're excited talking about the science and getting nerdy about plants. Absolutely. You know it, man. Uh, There's just so much to learn and so much to appreciate about it. And actually, I love being out in the garden. But what's really fantastic is just to be out in nature and to see plants, you know, living like they should be out in the wild. Uh, It's just really cool. And uh, it's just just something about it, man. It just it just reaches down into you and gives you some <laughs> some deep joy. So I just I just Googled plant morphology, and I've I'm on the wiki page, and I'm seeing a really cool picture yeah. that has um, a, a plant, a flower. It's got a shoot system and a root system. Yeah, that's it. So you got roots and shoots. So your your root system, and and for a lot of our home, you know, all of our gardeners who've been growing for a while, they know this. So mm-hmm. your root system is so important to the healthier plant. Uh, different plants are going to have different styles of roots. You got your tap root, which is going to be a nice, strong, central, uh, very durable root that can, is really um, adapted to kind of digging deeper into the soil to uh, tap down to water that's that's deeper in the soil mm-hmm. profile. Then you have fibrous roots, and so the, a lot of the plants that we grow uh, out in our vegetable gardens and things like that, uh, opposed from like our carrots that have the tap root. Um, all your other plants are going to have fibrous roots, and it's just like it sounds. They're thin, more fibrous, uh, usually lateral, and those ones spread out. And uh, basically, those are the two main categories for your roots. But taking care of your root system is actually going to really be beneficial for that shoot system on top. Mm-hmm. So the roots and shoot systems, they're all connected, actually, by the vascular system of the plant. Just have just how animals have a vascular system. I seen you pump an iron the other day. His <laughs> veins were throbbing, dude. Uh, so you're so vascular. Um, but yeah, so th- those those basically those pathways um, in our bodies are just like in plants in a way where uh, we're pumping blood and whatnot. They are pumping uh, water from their roots uh, to their shoots and everything, and that's going to happen with their xylem. You ever heard that? The xylem, yeah, is uh-huh. that, right? So I remember like it's like third, fourth grade. Here we go. Uh, the xylem is really cool, spelled with an X, um, and that is what's going to help you um, is responsible for transporting. It's like these tubes inside the plant, and they're transporting water. From the roots to every to where to everything above that to all the leaves and branches and they're supplying water throughout the plant and that's really important the xylem now the phloem is very similar but they the the phloem is transporting basically dissolved sugar so as the leaves are photosynthesizing and we didn't even really get into the definition of photosynthesis but I think, I think we all know that by now so those those leaves are taking in sunlight and breathing they are producing sugar and that sugar uh, needs is needed throughout the plant. 
And so it gets pumped down through the phloem in a dissolved form, and that's when then the plant can utilize it, whether it's getting pumped down to the roots, um, into the stem, or out into the branches. That's what the phloem's job is to do. So that's part, those are the main conductive uh, portions of your vascular system of your plant is your xylem and your phloem. Hmm. I, I, you know, I don't often think of plants as having a vascular system. I know I do because I've, I've, you know, I've got blood pumping through my body, but that's cool to think that they have that too. Well, have I, you ever seen rings on a tree? Yes. That's, that's, it is remnants of the vascular system. Is it really? Yeah. And so that's the, you're seeing the old cambium layer on the, out there growing and hardening. And um, in there is, you know, ancient xylem and phloem that have now, you know, solidified, lignified, and you're seeing that. And that's, you know, it's year to year. You huh. see those rings. That's cool. What about, so when I look at a leaf, I see uh, kind of a, what looks like a vascular system. Is, is that indeed going on there as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. So you'll see veins on a leaf, um, and those are actually transporting just that all that fluid is getting pumped in, pumped out, and they, the leaves themselves will kind of display the vascular system. Seeing the veins on a leaf will actually tell you what kind of category of plant that is. So there's monocots and dicots. Oh, I've heard, I've heard of monocots and dicots, yes. So that's the two main categories of, of angiosperms. So when they sprout up, uh, if it has one baby leaf, that's a monocot. That's like corn, right? Or if we grow some grass or something, that, that's going to be a monocot. Now, the dicots are a seedling like a broccoli or pepper or tomato. When you plant them, they're going to sprout and have two baby leaves hmm. because they have dicotyledons. And so your monocots and dicots, and what's cool is if you look at the veins on a leaf, you can, you can tell if the plant is in the monocot f- family or the dicot group, right? So if the veins are parallel to the, each other, uh, that's going to be in the, uh, they're going to be uh, monocots. So that's like your grasses, your bamboo. Um, sometimes you see your lilies, you see them out there and they're growing and they have the, the, all the veins in the leaf are all kind of running together. Um, but if you have one midrib and the veins are kind of coming off it in different directions, that's going to be your dicotyledon plants. And so you'll see a lot of those, like your, your tomatoes, your peppers, things like that, your um, lemons, uh, apples. Those are all your dicotyledons. And there's a ton of dicotyledon plants out there. Hmm. Getting some interesting vocab this oh, week. Oh, yeah, these words. I got to take notes, but it's almost hard to because I don't know how to spell some of the things you're saying. <laughs> you don't have to. No <laughs> test. Just for fun. Oh, we're man. But we're here for joy. You know, it's going to cue me to do a bunch of research like late at night. Like I'm going to be on my phone or on my computer, like looking all this stuff up. I encourage it. You know, learn more. Uh, learn, learn, learn. It makes it more fun. And then, like I said, whether you're out in your own garden, you can increase, increase your appreciation there mm-hmm. or just out in nature. I, I'm telling you, it's just so much fun to learn about this stuff because... You start seeing these plants, and you go, oh, that's an ancient plant. You know, that one's been around for, you know, hundreds of millions. Of it's just so much fun to get into. And, it's, and, you know, it's a deep rabbit hole. You can, you know, you can get stuck in there. All right. This is fascinating, Kevin. So now we've we kind of learned about leaves, and, and this is all, I, I think this, these are all angiosperms, right? And what does is, what is angiosperm mean? That's something to do with the seed, right? So angiosperm is when you have a plant, a flowering plant that has an enclosed seed. So okay. it's a, the, the seed is enclosed in the ovary usually, and this is the majority of plants you're going to come into contact with on the planet. They are just super widespread and numerous and diverse, and they're everywhere. And uh, they're they're beautiful flower. Who doesn't love flowers? They have beautiful smells and taste. And this is if you've ever eaten uh, a fruit, it yes. came from an angiosperm. I just ate a strawberry. There you go. Is yes. that an angiosperm? That, that's an angiosperm. Okay, great. absolutely. I'm gonna eat another one now. Yep. There you okay, go. So if you eat a pine nut, now that's from a gymnosperm. Okay. You know, okay. Pine nuts from gymnosperms. Uh, yeah. And then strawberries, fruits, berries. Those are all from angiosperms. And strawberry plants have flowers. They do. Which I didn't really realize till I well, grew them. What you're eating was like a, a flower, basically. And they're this an aggregate, was. technically. Okay. So it's actually a different type of um, little fruit. They're really cool. Oh, man, he's mm. eating more. Eating mm. more strawberries. Mm-hmm. 
So let's get into the flower itself. So flowers are really cool. Um, plants can have flowers that are male, that are female. It can have plant uh, flowers that are both. And so today we're going to talk about the parts of a flower really quickly. So, of course, you have your petals, you have your stem and your sepals. We love sepals around here. Those are like the little waxy covering on the outside. If you've ever eaten an artichoke, you know what I'm talking about. Yum. Or if you've seen a rose developing, those that green waxy outer covering, those are the sepals. Um, all of them together uh, is called a calyx. All you have your petals, all of those together are called a corolla. Did you know that, Austin? No. Isn't that fun? I like that. Corolla. A corolla is all the petals collectively together. And so uh, the male, we'll start with the dudes, uh, the male side, um, that's actually called a stamen, right? And so we talked about, last week I called you the anther panther. Yes. So that's part of this. That's the part of the male organ. So that's what creates the pollen. Uh, It sits atop of a filament. So if you've ever seen a blossom, like a a lily, where they have that little little, uh, orange, little uh, bulb on the Mm -hmm. end, it's dangling on a stick. The stick is the filament, and altogether that is the stamen, and that is where the pollen comes from, and hopefully it'll land into the stigma, which is the opening of the female organ, which is the pistil. Hmm. So pollen, if it reaches the stigma, it'll travel down the style, which is actually the tube that connects the opening down to the ovary. And that's the, like I said, this is the female part of the flower and the, inside the ovary. And this is what makes it an angiosperm is that it has an ovary. Inside the ovary are ovules. They're unfertilized seeds. They're wow. little, little hopeful seeds. Just one day, maybe I'll be a seed and grow and be a plant. If the pollen gets down in there and there's successful fertilization of those uh, those little eggs, those ovules, then bing, bang, boom, you got yourself a fertilized <laughs> flower. Maybe that's going to be fruit for us because what happens is if that's like a tomato or a pepper or a squash or a zucchini or something, a melon, now that ovary swells up and protects those seeds. And guess what? Sometimes those ovaries taste delicious. Wow. And we eat them as fruit. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's why we always say is, oh, is a tomato, a fruit or a vegetable. You know, of course, we know that it's a fruit technically. So, right. so knowing that it's a fruit, I guess, is knowledge. But wisdom, I've heard, is not is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kevin, this is amazing. What you're what you're laying out is it's kind of blowing my mind that the, these plants are actually this complex. And it's that's a great word. Yeah, they're super. They're not like me. I'm simple. <laughs> Uh, these no. plants, no, and that's what's kind of cool when you compare them to the mosses and the liverworts and all that, the bryophytes, they are super complex. They've right. developed some really cool, complex tissues uh, that we didn't even delve into today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole deeper biology to how plants work. It's really cool. Um, I suggest people go out and <laughs> do all you can to learn more because this is really just a scratch on the surface, my friends. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kevin. It, it's fascinating to think that we we started talking about simple plants like moss and stuff, and now we're talking about flowers, and they're, they're just fascinating. No, it's, it's really incredible that the plants now are just so diverse. They're complex. They have these incredible tissues that plants of the past didn't have, and that's what really has allowed them to be so incredible, to have these really amazing flowers and to grow tall. If it wasn't for these incredible uh, innovations uh, genetically and biologically, we wouldn't have tall trees anymore. We'd all be stuck with these tiny little green, greenish-brown mosses. Hmm. And so now we have these beautiful plants, and of course, we want to take the best care of them and give them what they need. And really, uh, that kind of leads back to more science, and that's fertilization and nutrition for your plants. And I know oftentimes we hear we bring up the NPK of fertilizers. Um, that's the, the macronutrients that your plants need that you, uh, for you to supply sometimes. Um, some soils have some of these, nutri- uh, these nutrients, but some are, get depleted in them from season to season. And that's nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. The N is nitrogen, P is phosphorus, and oddly enough, the K is potassium. It's because potassium used to be called callium way back. 
Hmm. And so now it's NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Your nitrogen often is known as the growth nutrient. It's what's going to make your plant bushy and green. It helps with like protein synthesis um, and just uh, other functions in the plant. But really, it's going to help it grow new shoots, new leaves. Um, and this is really important because sometimes when you grow a lot in, in a certain spot, it gets depleted of that. And so when we're, we're adding cover crop in throughout the season, this is uh, what we're trying to add back is nitrogen. Um, phosphorus, the P, that is really good. I remind myself with roots and fruits. The phosphorus is mm. really is, is just really great for root development and root function, and which is all of course um, is also helpful for flower and fruit production. So if you want big beautiful roses and big and delicious fruits and oranges and apples, uh, that phosphorus is where it's at. Um, of course, adding too much of either of these, um, you can go from having a deficiency, not enough to a toxicity. So that's why it's important when you're considering nutrition, just add the correct amount. I remember when I first uh, started learning about plants and fertilizing, it was just in a basic science class getting into college. I didn't know anything. And we were just given some, some little seedlings and a, an array of fertilizers, and no instruction. And the teacher's like, go for it. And I remember thinking really? like, yeah, more, yeah, more, more. And we just kept putting, you know, just tons of fertilizer on, on these plants. Guess what happened, Austin? Well, so you've you've warned people in the past uh, to follow the directions because otherwise it, it makes them kind of like burn. Too much of a good thing is still a bad thing. So everything in moderation, even with great stuff, uh, great nutrition, um, moderation is key. And different fertilizers are going to have different um, application rates. And so I remember just we fried our plants, our, our little seedlings or these little pea shoots we had uh-huh. went from looking green and healthy. We came back. They looked like skeleton. They were just ash. From a nitrogen burn and toxicity, just way too much fertilizer. And wow. I learned early on, oh, yeah, that's not good. So too much is not great. Of course, we get to the K, and I, I like this one because I like it, think of it as like vitamin C for me. K for Kevin. K for Kevin. You know it. <laughs> uh, I like that. And so uh, K for Kevin. Potassium, it's really good. It's overall plant vigor and health. Helps with early root development. Helps with you know stress resilience um, and Oftentimes, certain cell functions uh, of the plant, it just really can hmm. be helpful. And so uh, if you want your plant to stay healthy, be more resilient against times of stress, potassium's where it's at. And so nice. all of these together uh, in a certain balance, you'll notice for certain plants, they actually require uh, a certain uh, fertilizer mix. And that's because it's been formulated for their you know nutritional needs. Right. So it could be a little less N on one, more P on another. Absolutely. Like that. And that number is the percentage of what that material is inside that container. Okay. So if it's 5, 10, 5 is 5% nitrogen, you know, then 10% and so on. And that's what that's telling you. Usually you can go on there, you can see the ingredients and get an idea for yourself what's in there and what's where this nitrogen is coming from or where this phosphorus is coming from. Now, those are the main macronutrients that they need in the largest amounts that we give them. Um, and some other ones that we give them uh, as well, we consider are your, your calcium, you, you know, your boron, your zinc. Those, those are all really important for their, for their health. Um, things like manganese and iron, copper, chlorine even. These are some micronutrients that can be helpful to your plant health, but they really need them in small amounts. And so they're all, they all do different things. Oftentimes they work together in teamwork, kind of like mycorrhizal fungi in our root system. It's symbiotic. So oftentimes these nutrients, um, they're all helpful working in tandem together uh, to help the cells function properly so that the plants can grow. So all that vascular tissue, the xylem, the phloem, the cambium layers, all their new buds coming out uh, of growth, the flower development, the fruit development, seed development, all that takes nutritional energy. And so the leaves are there to photosynthesize and, you know, and create sugar for the plant uh, as food. 
but the roots and everything else, they're there to absorb that nutrition and utilize that in tandem with that self-made food, that self-made sugar from the sun. Wow. Oh my goodness, Kevin. You are on a roll today. You're truly in your element. I really love this. Thank you for getting nerdy uh, about plants. This is great. Oh, I'm getting nerdy. This is like my resting state. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know how to get something like Hulk. Oh man, I, I really like doing an episode like this where I can just kind of unleash you. It's, it's really yeah, fun to just see go. you. You just go, and it's uh, it's science, it's information that I hope our listeners take and, and get inspired to like learn more stuff about plants. Because we're always talking about best practices for gardening, what you should grow. We're talking to experts about you know um, techniques and and recommendations, but we don't ever really get the deep dive on like the science, what's going on inside the plant. So I really, it gets me motivated, Kevin, to to get out in the garden. And now maybe I'll think about shoots and think about the roots and the flower and the the fertilization and the chemistry and the biology. It, I really appreciate it. And the Thank modifications. You. We didn't even get into the modifications. Oh There's so many things I wanted to bring up today, but I know we're limited on time. Uh, just leaves in general. I know we talk about flowers a lot, and there's different yeah. types of flowers out there. Um, but leaves are really interesting in the way that they've been modified over time. Some have turned into tendrils that can grab things. Have you ever seen that? A vine? Yes. That's a modified leaf. Well, I have indoor plants growing up the wall in here. Isn't that you know? cool? And yeah. The, and they do they have tendrils? That sometimes they plants will employ tendrils. Sometimes they'll have modifications of the stem even right. that we could get into. Uh, there's stem modifications. There's leaf modifications. Uh, some leaves are spines. Some are actually can can be reproductive organs on a plant. It's pretty cool. Um, it just it's so it's so interesting to see uh, what plants can do over time. Yeah. It just in nature, Mother Nature is the best. That's so cool. We started with simple, simple plants like moss in the oceans, and then it evolved just like animals did, right, into land ter- terrestrial beings. It's so cool. And Kevin, I see the spark in you lighting up right now, and I hope that we can share that with everyone else. Um, but like you said, we we do have to to wrap things up. Kevin, thank you so much for getting nerdy. You know, about it's my plants. pleasure. Absolutely, uh, my it's pleasure. The best. Uh, you're such a green thumb all the way through, in and out. That's very um, kind. Thank you so much. Let's go ahead and sign off. No, you're so generous, Austin. I want to thank everyone for being here. Uh, my name's Kevin Jordan. This is Austin Blank. And from everybody here at the podcast, thank you so much for being here. We love having you. Until next week, garden friends, garden for love, garden for life, and please never stop growing. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Kevin Jordan or his guests. These gardening tips and suggestions may work for you, as well as those from alternative sources. When using any garden products or tools, read and follow all label directions. And learn how to save water while gardening at bewatersmart.info.